We are live. Hey guys, I'm Wait, Ray King. Is this bitch recording? Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hi guys, I'm Dre King. Welcome to Podcast King, hosted by me. And we have a special guest today. And I'm talking about we got Roman in the building. Ow. Hey Roman. Hey y'all. How you feeling? I'm super duper glad to be here. And also, um, I know this is episode number two for my bestie, so celebrity stylist, photographer, and one more phrase to describe you and why. Ghost creator. <laughs> <laughs> but you live in action. Very live in action. And you're front and center always. Always. You look fabulous, by the way. Thank you. You look good, too. I love the color blocking you did. It's giving some coordination. Did we plan this? Hmm. Or did, was it just like a ghost situation that just happened? I think it was very ghost. It was very ghost. I think that's the new phrase of the day, ghost. Celebrity stylist, photographer, ghost creator. Mm-hmm. What is something that you want the world to know about you? I'm single. <laughs> Are you looking, though? Mm-mm. No, not looking, because you got to have it already. Like, you know, I think we're going to deep dive into that, though, so. Okay, let's do it. Well, take us back to 2016. You started styling, you started getting introduced to Fashion Week. How were you introduced to Fashion Week? Well, um, the first Fashion Week that I went to, actually a friend from Maryland, he invited me, and we went to go see... Oh, Lord, what's her name? I forgot the designer's name. That's not very good of me. But um, first fashion week, I went with a friend, and my outfit was horrible. I did my first, like, I did my first braids. I think my crop top was, like, from H&M. <laughs> um, <laughs> very, very, like, you know, rustic, very raw at the time. Didn't know what I was in for. And then um, 2016 came, and I got another opportunity to go to fashion week. And that time I was a lot more prepared. You know, the looks was hitting. I kind of knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, I just moved back to New York, so um, I wanted to, I knew like, okay, if I'm going to Fashion Week, I need to make sure that I'm living up to like, at least my own standards at least. Right. It's not Fashion Week right now, but I got these glasses on because I didn't bring my lashes with me. <laughs> um, is this giving fashion? What would, you, what would you rate it? Of course, it's fashion. What's the rate? I'm giving tens, tens across the board. Tens across the board? Yeah. Okay, I'm here for that. Okay, so you know, you guys know I love a little backstory. So let's take it back to 2018. Okay. You and I met during Fashion Week, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so my perspective mm-hmm. on how that went was we were on our way to an after party. Mm-hmm. I was in an Uber with Brooke, and we saw you and Keontae twerking outside. <laughs> Shout out to Brooke. <laughs> Shout out to Brooke. When we got to the party now, she said, we seen you guys. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, you, you need to speak to them. Like, y'all need to be friends. Y'all would be so cute. So I'm like, okay, you know, you don't just make friends like that, but let me do it anyway. Because Especially y'all not in New cute. York. You exactly. Know. You know, you never know how everybody's going to give it up. But you know me, I'm very open to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I approached you guys and you guys were so sweet. And after that, it was history. We had tons of fun. When you're in the New York Fashion Week mode, um... Being a New Yorker, when people, when not random people, but in a sense when, you know, people you don't know come up to you, usually you have this like guard or defense, you know? Mm-hmm. But working New York Fashion Week, you kind of have to let that down because that's your time to network, that's your time to shine, that's your time to make those connections and build those lasting impressions where it might just be for that season, but it can also turn into lifelong friendships. 
remember, but do you remember our theme song for Fashion Week? God's plan. God's plan. Literally, <laughs> every single show that we went to and every single event that we got into, every single event that we finessed. Whether it was a finesse, <laughs> where it was a shoulder bump in. <laughs> Or through the back door. That song was always playing everywhere. It literally played, and it was our theme song for the entire fashion week. And every time, it was me, you, and Keontae, and we were literally, we were the Migos. But better. But better. You started off as a model. Mm -hmm. And then, how did the transition to styling happen? Like, what was your first introduction to, hey, I want to dress these bitches? You know what I'm saying? So, it started with dressing myself first, actually. Because, um... So I started off modeling, and I moved back to New York, and I was like, I'm going to be America's Next Top Model. Um, and it was giving that at first. I was getting the bookings, and I was doing the runway stuff, but then it was just very boring. And as a model, you don't get control, you know? And I'm I'm a Sag, and so it gives... I need to be in control of how I look, what I'm looking like. I don't care what you think I look best in. I care about what I think I look best in because that's how I feel more comfortable about like just moving throughout life in general. And so as a model, there was just a whole lot of like, do this, do that, do this, do that, you know, come here, just be this, yeah, be this face, do the, and, but you get no real say so. So I was like, you know what, you know, let me, I want to try something new. I want to try something different. And I always dressed um, out the box, I guess, but it didn't really feel like out the box for me, maybe to other people. But, um, I took that time, you know, moving back to New York, I took that time to just like really fine tune my style and get into what I want because that was the first time that moving back, um, making sure that A, you know, the money was coming in. So when the money come in, that's like, oh, you could you could do whatever mm-hmm. you want. You know exactly. what I'm saying? Especially when there's no one else telling you, you can only do that. So you're going to be wear that or working you know, independent also that as well, because um, I did have a nine to five. Many people might, like, not see that because on social media I didn't really showcase that because that's not really my brand. That's someone else's (laughs) brand. But I've had my nine-to-fives while doing fashion weeks and literally fighting jobs, telling them I need this time off because this is the set time where it's... Your time. time. It's my time. I'm um, around your brand. And I'm around my peers of people who actually understand me and I don't feel judged because of the way I'm dressing or the way I look. I feel... Like, I was accepted. It was like church for me. I love that. So from 2016 to 2019 in New York doing mm-hmm. styling, give me two of your favorite moments. Um, well, one was when I actually started working for a PR firm called, um, uh, what are they called again? Rep PR. And um, that was the first time I got to do the BTS of, like, Fashion week. So I was doing the guest list. I was working the show itself. Um, so I became a guest to working the shows and finding out the ins and outs. So, you know, doing the showroom runs and doing um, model castings and helping with all of that stuff. So it gave me a real behind the scenes look on the industry. And I really wanted to deep dive into it. And I'm like, okay, I could really do this. Um, I could do this myself, you know. I was working with another stylist, and uh, I was collaborating. We collaborated on a lot of projects together. But um, as a stylist, I don't think many people most like many people know is that the only way to really get into this industry is to either work under someone, or it's like you get someone who's like, you know, someone who's really already established, and they're like, okay, I'm gonna pick you up and 
you know, they trust you enough with their looks to enthrall you into the industry. So um, I end up working with a stylist. Um, we did multiple projects together. Um, we both had different styles, but that helped because it was like, you know, I had the street style co like covered. She had the, you know, the couture covered and, you know, bring it together. You get a nasty little mix. But um, that's when I knew I was like, I could do this by myself. Yeah. Two of your favorite clients that you've styled from 2016 to 19 in New York specifically. Hmm. So I would say one is Clarity. Clarity was super duper, duper, duper nice. Uh, his mom is even great. <laughs> like, hey, mom. Um, who else? Uh, oh, and I also work with Brooklyn Beckham and Lexi Pantra as well. Yeah. Yeah. And How that was that? super duper cool. Brooklyn Beckham was actually the photographer. And, you know, I'm like, oh, my God, this is iconic. This is David Beckham's son, you know, like. Shout out to David Beckham. Period. <laughs> Moving to L.A. in 2020. Mm -hmm. One of your first major clients was Miss Marketing Maven. Karen Civil, you were you were slaying her style by the end of the year, um, which I loved for her. I mm -hmm. loved you for her. Um, so, is there any specific advice that Karen has given you, or that you've learned about business? Um, Karen's definitely told me like always be yourself. You know, um, she uh, let me know that no matter like where you at in life, like you can be that down to earth person and be very real and very genuine no matter like how many millions you have or how many like you know how rich you are or who you're around because i think karen um she taught me even karen's herself like she's very real very down to earth um nice. i think there's a of course everyone on social media if you don't know the person you can make your own judgments but it's i really care about those one-on-one -on -one interactions because i know social media is curated for a reason i'm talking highlighted posts on fashion bomb daily most liked posts on Instagram. Um, I think I've even seen your idol, Nicki Minaj, like a post that you styled for Karen. Yeah. How did that make you feel? Because I know, like, Nicki Minaj is definitely one of your top, like, I want to style her. I want to work with her at any capacity we can. Let's get this work done. Period. And we're going to claim that from this interview right here, you know? Um, it's, it's claimed. It's, it's already been claimed, but now it's out in the world. And so I know Nicki might be watching, so... But Nikki definitely liked, um, that was the first, one of the first posts that Nikki ever liked um, was Karen Civil for New Year's Eve. Um, she actually liked another post from Polo G. And so it's like, okay, it's like, okay, I'm starting to, you know. Climb up the ladder a little bit. She's starting to, you know, you know she's, in your vicinity, in your circle now. She's seeing the kids. She's seeing the kid work. It's getting out there, you that. know. So, um, and I think when it comes to like Nicki Minaj, uh, she definitely, like, you know, helped with just, like, overall gave me that confidence to know, like, fuck what anyone else says. And she's a Sag like me. So that really, you know, ignited, like, okay, I know if right. Nikki could fucking do it or, you know, she could be that boss-ass bitch without any um, concern or, you know, just be that all-out dominating person that she is and never turn herself down, I don't have to do that either. And... That's just that. <laughs> I've personally assisted you on sets of video shoots, photo shoots. Um, we've done showroom runs together. What is your favorite part of prepping? When it's over. <laughs> <laughs> when it's all together. <laughs> because um, I'm stressing the entire time. I'm stressing the entire time. And literally, I just think that 
I care about the look so badly. You know, the look is what it what it is, the overall image, but then also how comfortable does the client feel in the look, you know? Because I can have these visions of how I think something should look or how I think it should um, come across, but does it translate into social media? Does it translate into, you know, real life? How does it look in real life? Because there's things that you will only wear to a photo shoot that you wouldn't wear in real life. And so knowing the difference of what's going on, knowing what events is happening, how, you know, the client is, is, is this client active? Is this client gonna be dancing on the dance floor in your pools? Or is this <laughs> client gonna be, you know, sitting pretty? And so you just have to know who you're working with, how you're gonna give it up, and also just be confident, you know, your style, because you have to know people are working with you because they like you. They like what you bring to the table. And so I think that's also a part of branding where it's like, hey, I know people work with me because of what I can do and the way, like, you know, the way I own, like I personally set myself up. So it's good to see like um, my brand being reflected on others. That was your favorite part of prepping. Now, what is a struggle um, of prepping that people don't get to see? The struggle of prepping is mostly when it comes to relationships because I don't think people know that this industry is based off of relationships and so the more relationships you do have right the more beneficial where people are willing to especially when it comes to these showrooms um so walk us through building those relationships so a lot of these showrooms okay let's so the fashion world is the block right you know you always want to make sure the block is hot right okay. I know that's right keep the block hot <laughs> <laughs> you always want to make sure the block is and hot. Toes period. on point. <laughs> okay. And so um, I would say the showroom people, they're like the pimps of the block, right? Literally, the pimps. They got the product. They got, you know, the hose, mm -hmm. the clothes. And then you got a stylist, you know, we're the fiends. <laughs> we want <laughs> we want the latest and the greatest, That's right? analogy for me. I know someone's going to get it. You know, and we have to build those relationships with the showrooms in order to show them like, hey, look, I can, you know, give what your client desires that I can give because the showrooms are working for both sides. They're working for themselves with the PR move, but then they're also working for the designers that they are bringing to showcase to the world. And so they have to make sure that, A, their clothes are going into responsible people, their clothes are going to it things, you know, keeping a block hot. Right. They're not gonna provide you clothes for a birthday party if they don't really know who you are. But imagine if you're Beyonce, you're getting whatever you want, baby. So mm -hmm. it, it really depends on so much relationships, stature, overall brand and imaging because if your brand is not um aligned with a showroom or even a designer they probably won't you know use you but that's okay because you just have to be able to a be versatile um always be able to roll with the punches and just be adaptable to the situation and what's going on i like that adaptable to the situation of what's going on there's something also that i wanted to touch on with you mm -hmm. because you know us we we're outside, you know, and comfortably. Mm -hmm. So in the entertainment industry that we're in, mm -hmm. we're around a lot of entertainers who entertain for attention. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to know, how do you manage weaving out the fake personalities versus the genuine, um, the genuine ones? 
So um, I was in WeHo. I think we were in WeHo together, right? And I think the perfect example of this is we were in WeHo together, and this guy, you know, um, he okay, was talking. <laughs> he was talking to us, and he was like, "Oh, um, where are you from?" And we're like, "We're from New York." We're like, "Where he's from?" He's like, "He's from like the Midwest or something like that." But he's lived out in LA for like ten years, and so um, he was like, "You know, oh, LA is like." LA is a, a big pond, but New York is also. Um, but he says there's three types of people in LA. He said there's sharks, there's dolphins, and then there's do- then there's sharks that act like dolphins. Mm. And I was like, damn, I felt that. Mm-hmm. But I gagged him because I said, I'm from New York and we're all sharks. So, baby, if you're going to come, you better to come and just be prepared. Like, you just got to catch me slipping. And I remember, like, after <laughs> we said that to him, he kind of just, like... Uh huh. Walked away. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. what would you in that type of situation? What would you claim that person to be? Shark, dolphin, or I think he is, or he was a dolphin that acted. I'm sorry, a shark that acted like a dolphin. Okay, you could tell definitely. Um, I think it's it's more so in the sense of when, especially living in LA, people will fake network you. Um, people will um, try to see like what you can offer to them and then try to bridge both of that together by not even building a relationship. Um, People, you know, will try to um, not even, it's not even about the clients. It's about how people will try to use you to build to their network without giving. Um, And it's not all LA people, because you got to remember, people are moving here also. And so they're trying to put off this energy of what LA is. And if you meet a lot of LA locals, you'll know that um, they don't really care for a lot of the things that us transplants care for. What What is it that you care for? I care about succeeding. Um, I care about proving people wrong. Um, mm. I care about being the baddest bitch on my block. Mm. <laughs> Mm. And on someone else's Ain't block. Ain't nobody gonna knock you off your pedestal. I know, that's right. We gotta get into it, yeah. You know? But um, I care about also making sure that my brand and my work is matching. Because a lot of people get on social media. They do all of these, um, you know, social media is a great, like, perfect illusion. People get on social media and they will show you their world, their curated world, and it could look so fucking amazing, but you don't know what's happening behind the scenes, how the person's acquiring it, and so a lot of times I know we set ourselves up to think, damn, I want to be like this person, I want to be that person. Excuse me. But you don't know how this person is getting to it, how this person is doing what they're doing. You don't know who this person knows. The person could just be, you know, relationships that's what it comes back down to or even just your natural skill level so i've always wanted to make sure my brand if my brand is going to look a certain way my work needs to be matching that because i think that's how you get people to respect your brand i love that um earlier you mentioned that you wanted the world to know that you're single Mm -hmm. (laughs) how is it dating okay do you date in the industry i don't date in the industry but i'm willing to Okay. So you also mentioned that somebody has to come with it together. What is together? Being What's t- your type? <laughs> I ain't got no type. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> bad bitches is the only thing that yeah, I like. Um, well, 
But when it comes to being together, I think you just can't, um, you can't be looking for potential. Like you can't look at people and think like, oh, this person could be great. Like, you know, I think you, and this is only in the dating wise and aspect because especially you have to, I think you have to get to know the person. You have to like really deep down and figure out their credit score. <laughs> if they have okay. any bad loans out there. <laughs> if they owe anyone some money. <laughs> Let's get into it. Yeah. You know, the background check for me. Yeah, you yeah, really gotta for sure. Who is this, who is this person associated Where with? Where do you come from? You know, who raised you. What do you bring to the table? <laughs> you know, because besides being a leg that mm-hmm. could be removable, I think I'm looking for the table at this point because mm-hmm. we could either bring both the tables together, or you could keep your table over there. I'll keep my table over here. But I just want someone on my level because it's it's a lot to deal with someone who's not in the industry and they don't really understand like what you're doing. Why are you in the clubs? Um, why are you talking or being extra friendly with these people? Or um, just even like the late night struggles or they real like a lot of not a lot of, but I've had guys that consider what I do not real work. But, but it's a real check. You know? So not just because I'm not working a nine to five doesn't mean that I'm not equating to someone else who is. Um, I just think that we both chose two different ways. And that's not to say that if you have a nine to five, we can't talk. Yeah, we can talk. Because, you know, that's a consistent check for you. Mm-hmm. Just be the best at what you're doing. So if you're going to be at McDonald's, make sure you're the motherfucking manager. And then you become the owner of the franchise. You know what I'm saying? Like, have a goal and a plan. Not... Oh, I think I want to open up a business, but don't have no steps. A business plan. What are you looking forward to moving forward? Styling in L.A., are you looking to move around with it? You've already done New York. We're in L.A. What's next? Well, um, I think I have a a five to ten year plan in L.A. And then um, we're going to London. So... (laughs) I've already decided that I'm going to move international because after the pandemic, the U.S. kind of was really ghetto in a sense of, like, all the other countries were giving out monthly checks. <laughs> I think we only got, like, 2000 from the U.S., which is crazy because I know they've taken more in taxes. But, you know, it just gave, like, I didn't feel cared for. Besides, and we're not even talking about the political aspect of what was happening during the pandemic. We're just talking about, like, the actual country getting its or not having its shit together and us just being in turmoil and so god forbid if another natural disaster happens i think i want to be in a country where they care a little bit more about their citizens or they're going to just be a little bit more proactive and not just let shit hit the fan and then do something about it roman 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 (laughs) thank you for um joining me on today's episode is there any last words that you'd like to say to the audience before we sign off um, I would like to say, everyone, like, no matter who you are or what you believe in, and this is something that my mom told me, and I'm glad she did. She said, you could be whatever you want. Um, black, white, gay, straight, whatever. You can't, you are your own limitation. And so whenever you decide to be proactive about your life, your goals, or anything, um, you have to plant those seeds in order for a tree to grow. 
If you don't plant seeds, nothing will ever grow from it. You can never just sit there and wait for shit to just fall in your hand. You know, so as long as you're proactive about your goals, your dreams, and anything you want to do, 50% is manifesting, but the other 50 is actually fucking doing it. And the work in. That's the only way it's going to come into fruition. Thank you guys for tuning in.